Hello, welcome to Recapping with Delora and Ashley. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Recapping Podcast. Also, comment, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on all the things. We would love to hear your ratings of the movies and shows we review. Email us your audio file to recappingpodcast at gmail.com and we will play it during the show. Or DM us on Instagram and we will post and read it on air. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. Ashley. Hey girl, hey, how goes it? Girl, it's going. I'm excited about this week's recap. What are we recapping again as if I don't know? (laughs) (laughs) Only Murders in the Building, a Hulu original. It is a comedy slash mystery series. It's 10 episodes rated MA and the episodes run about 30 minutes, 30 to 35 minutes, depending on which episode you're talking about. So let's get into the summary. Three strangers share an obsession with true crime and suddenly find themselves wrapped up in one when a ghastly death occurs inside their exclusive Upper West Side apartment building. The trio suspects murder and employs their precise knowledge of true crime to investigate the truth. Perhaps even more explosive are the lies they tell one another. Soon, the endangered trio comes to realize a killer might be living among them as they race to decipher the mounting clues before it's too late. Ashley, I'm going to highlight the three stars of this series. Steve Martin as Charles, Martin Short as Oliver, and Selena Gomez as Mabel. Rock Tomatoes gave this series 100% critics and for audience 94%. This is our best rated series ever or in a very long time. Very long time. I think Queen's Gambit is up there, but yeah. Wow. And our beloved Google users gave this series 85%. Ashley, what are your scores? It is a B for me. I am with the Google users like 99% of the time. The reunion (laughs) of Steve Martin and Martin freaking (gasps) Schwartz, who I have not seen together since Father of the Bride, brought me so much joy. Absolutely. Now, I cannot say the main mystery of the show intrigued me as much as the revelations surrounding our trio, which is why it's not an A for me. I just wasn't as deeply invested as I wanted to be, but I still very much enjoyed the ride. And I have one additional note that I'm going to save for the end. So it is a B for me, Delora. What about for you? Ashley, I gave this series an A minus. I love Steve Martin. I love Martin Short. Like, I actually love Martin Short a little bit more than Steve Martin um, <laughs> because he is the funniest. Yes, he is. And the thing about this series that I enjoy so much was the humor. It was so funny. And I laughed more the second time around than the first. So, 
I I really loved it. And I love, you know, the cliffhangers after each episode. Um, some better than others, but I just I was engaged. I will say towards the end, I wasn't in love with it. Uh, so that's part of the reason why I didn't get a higher score, but I have such a near and dear love for the two main guys. When it came to Selena Gomez, though, I'm not going to lie, I thought that was an interesting choice to just inject her in this. Because, again, I don't know if she's done anything really serious acting-wise. Like, this is like, you know, this non-Disney kind of film, <laughs> you know what I mean? Selena uh, Gomez fans would have to let us know, because I don't follow her career that closely either. To and, know. you know, and she's a singer, uh but yeah so it was an interesting choice but I really enjoyed their chemistry overall so yeah they're in like a whole text group together post show so that's super cute I love it I love it and um fun note according to Vulture this is Hulu's most watched comedy ever makes sense without exactly (laughs) with no surprise season two is absolutely happening so (laughs) all right with that said let's get into our spoiler alert episode one true crime upper west side neighbors charles oliver and mabel bond over a shared love true crime when a fellow resident dies in their building the trio determined to solve the mystery and record an accompanying podcast Ashley, are you into true crime? Yes. I'm not you are. I'm not super into true crime podcasts, but yeah, I've talked about the fact that I like a good true crime documentary. Um, I have listened to some true crime podcasts, though. Like I listened to the one that they did that was a rehash of the death of Natalie Wood. I listened mm-hmm. to the one on Christina Grimmy that happened here in Orlando. Like I've I've listened to some of them, but for the fanatics, no, I'm not a fanatic. What about you? Really? I'm not. I think we kind of talked about this briefly one time. I'm into like cults and things like (laughs) documentaries about how people get sucked into weird situations where they follow a a charismatic leader. I mean, that's true crime. I throw that in the true crime category. Would you? Oh, yeah. I guess that's my genre. I'm not really into solving murders or anything like that because I I don't want to follow a real crime as it's happening the way that they do in the show. Like mm-hmm. I want it to be resolved, and then I just want to hear the facts and information. Mm-hmm. Like I would want yeah. to be a part of like an active investigation. That's mo- that's way too emotional for me. Like it's too heavy. It's extremely heavy, actually. <laughs> so in this episode one. There's this gentleman on the phone, slicked hair, trash bag in hand, on the phone, talking about a package, and he's gone. The events of the show, or the main mystery of the show, happens where the fire alarm goes off, and they find out that there was was a murder. It is presumed that it is a suicide. The resident in question was the gentleman who was on that elevator with Charles Mabel and Oliver. Mabel, Charles, and Oliver are very independent people. They're all they're all kind of lonely. I don't know if you noticed that you have Charles who's randomly making omelets and has all these peppers. 
you have Oliver, who you can tell is very charismatic, but still very much alone with bills piling up, by the way. And then you have Mabel, which, mind you, I don't know anybody uh, under the age of 65 by that name. Um, <laughs> living by herself, looking, it looks like a, a renovation, you know what I mean? And they are actively listening to this podcast called All, All Is Not Okay in Oklahoma. First of all, I love how they play up the titles of these podcasts, these true crime podcasts. Have you noticed that? I mean, the title makes a big difference in the marketing. And as we know, the strategy as to what it is you're going to be talking about. So it makes sense that um, the titling was uh, important. But I think what's funny about this particular show about the podcast and all of that is the whole Tina Fey angle, right? The fact that Tina Fey is this whole podcast, you know, mastermind. So it just adds, you know, a little more flavor to it than it would be if, uh, in my opinion, if Tina wasn't in the show. And so one of the things I noticed actually more the second time around was how active listeners they were of it. Like they were ready when the podcast dropped and they were all taking notes on what happened. So the fire alarm goes off and everyone, you know, scatters out of their apartment building and they all meet up at this restaurant and they realize that they have this in common. What was interesting was that Charles was very open as well as Oliver, but but Mabel was pretty mysterious. Do you think that was warranted? You know, you don't give all your business to two strange men, right? Even if they live in your building, especially if they live in your building, right? And this is New York. This is all set in New York. New Yorkers are not the friendliest of people. So to me, it makes perfect sense that she's going to be kind of closed off and not necessarily excited to. It's not like they have some commonalities because there's the age difference or the gender difference. So to me, it made perfect sense. But at the same time, because we see Mabel is someone who has fantasies of killing people with a crochet needle. To me, she was sketchy. She was very sketchy. I'm Joan. And we find out, I believe, at the end of this episode that she actually did know Tim Kono in one way or another. And that was interesting. He was a part Um, of her Hardy Boys. Her Hardy Boys. Well, uh, again, after reconnecting at the booth, they decided to sneak in the back way to look into this murder. I don't think I'm that ballsy to do that, Ashley. Would you? Absolutely not. I don't want to see a crime scene. I don't want to see a dead body. That's not my thing. Never. And again, they see the crime scene, all right? Blood and all. So one of the things I wanted to mention before we go on to the next episode is this monologue that Charles gives Mabel while they were sneaking into the apartment. He's a has-been actor who was on a TV show called Brazos. And he pretty much talked about how he was just like his father. And because of that, he didn't want to be with anyone because his father treated his mom awful. Episode two, who was Tim Kono? The group begins researching the victim. Meanwhile, Mabel's secretive past starts to unravel. So I mentioned that monologue at the end of episode one. 
Mabel finds out very quickly that it was from an episode of Brazos. How did you feel about them lying to one another? Again, I know they don't know each other, but it's just like some of these lies are pretty intense, Ashley. Well, I'm glad that it turns out that the story itself was true. He basically said that the monologue that he gave in Brazos, that was one of the few times that they let him have some control over his, I guess, script or lines. And so he went with something that was true to him because it was going to be heartbreaking to me if this whole spiel about his life was fabricated like I felt like Mabel did it was the moment that she felt like he had opened up so it helped her to open up right and yeah I think when he clarified that it was like okay cool but then you realize at the end of episode one well Mabel's hiding a huge secret so when is that ish gonna come out that's way bigger than him lying about his dad you know what I mean like sis you had a whole relationship with the deceased and you're not, not gonna say anything okay shady again she's shady very shady. Very shady. They come together after seeing the crime scene and decide to make a podcast out of trying to figure out who or how Tim Kono died. Uh, one of their first opportunities to get a lot of information was his memorial in the lobby. And we find out very quickly that he was not liked by the neighbors. There was more grief around the cat. Evelyn. Evelyn. <laughs> A man. The disrespect. The disrespect. We find out during this memorial that he was the reason why they weren't allowed to use the fireplaces. Uh, His one neighbor, the the African lady, wanted his apartment, which made her a possible suspect. (laughs) One of my favorite lines was, um, she wouldn't be the first New Yorker to kill for real estate. (laughs) (laughs) But the cat man was over the top, Ashley. What did you think about Tim Kono's relationship with his neighbors? I thought it was sad. Yeah. I think to your point about the main trio being loners, Tim Kono was also a loner, it seems. But not only was he a loner, he was so despised by everybody that they didn't even have a kind word to say in death. Like in death is supposed to be the time that even if people hated you, they pull something out. They don't speak ill of you. Yeah, you pull something out to have to say. So when everybody was more upset about Evelyn, I was, I was, I was frustrated because this is a man's life we're talking about. So that it just made me sad for Tim. I was like, where's his family? Like, that's one of the things, the points within the show that I didn't really love is that they never really honored this man's life. Yeah. Well, they said in a very throwaway line that his body was with his family in Japan, but yeah. Yeah, but I want to see it. I want to see somebody. I want to see some level of something. And we didn't even get that because to that point, Ashley, we get more more of an understanding who of who Tim Kona was from his friend Mabel. (laughs) She had a whole video. And at the end of the episode, she's like, in case I'm next. But she talks about the history of their relationship. She is in that apartment because her aunt lived there. He was a resident there with his family. He was he was abrasive. And they they came together as kids and fell in love with the Hardy Boy books. 
You know, actually, I'm not going to lie. Part of me almost wondered if Mabel was supposed to be like an older woman, like a Diane Keaton type age, like on par with Steve Martin and um, Martin Short. Like, I just, I'm just interested to know, like, when did they decide to like, yes, let's put a millennial there instead of a woman of, you know, their age, because I don't know about the Hardy Boys. Like, have you heard about that? I've heard of the Hardy Boys. Have I ever read a book? No. I mean, no. that was definitely to whoever made that point, Steve Martin or whatever. That's definitely before our time. Now, obviously, there are people our age, younger, who get into things that precede of us. Course. And, you of know, course. that makes total sense. But I think there it is something to be said that maybe it was a little bit of an older soul, you know. Yeah. But I think it's because she's seen and dealt with things that other people in our her age have not necessarily had to deal with. That's true. That's true. But yeah, they formed a, a group that they called themselves the Hardy Boys. So it was Tim Kono, Mabel, um, Oscar, and Zoe. And Zoe apparently was the life of the party. But that all comes to an end after a New Year's party where Zoe died. Oscar was blamed. But Tim apparently knew who did it and never said anything about it. I thought this was interesting um, because, again, we know the main the main story was who killed Tim Kono, but then to get this other layer added in addition to of like what happened to Zoe, I thought that's what kind of started really me in for this series. What about you? I just wondered what could possibly have happened to make Tim keep his mouth shut about something that happened to his friend like if we yeah. are this foursome and we're so cool and everything what could have possibly and how did you live with it you know so again yeah. I was I was curious about Tim I wanted to know more about this particular character because just things weren't adding up for me at this point and you let your friend go to jail sorry not you only did let, your friend die yeah you let your other friend go to jail exactly exactly episode three how well do you know your neighbor? Oliver employs his theater director skills to analyze the case. Charles and Mabel question an obsessive cat lover. Actually, this one was rough. Um, you know, one of the things that I loved about this series is we slowly got a chance to know more about our trio. And in this episode, we learned a lot about Oliver. He is a great uh, Broadway musical director and this one particular musical was the end of his career 2005 Splash, splash. <laughs> or Splat as it <laughs> becomes known <laughs> the musical that was already not four million dollars over budget that he wanted more money because he wanted a pool as the base the, that, oh, the stage floor. opens to a pool in what yeah. Broadway theater are we building this okay what insurance company would ever agree <laughs> to that that is my question so the investigation I'll get more into that a little bit later but that's you know to hint to some of his money woes because one of the things I did mention was that he in episode one asked his son for some money and his son was like nope not again that was painful. So, and he has a lot of overdue bills. And his time at Ar Arconia was 
was numbered because he hadn't been paying his bills, Ashley. But basically in this episode, Charles and Mabel investigate the cat guy because he had some major issues with Tim Kono and he was a possible suspect. A lot happened in this situation. (laughs) Basically, they were trying to record him. So that whole scene was kind of funny (laughs) when he was like, (laughs) you're being recorded. He was like, what? (laughs) Well, because he was like, do you consent? Kind of tried to ask him first. You consent to be recorded. He said, no. He said, okay. And then recorded him anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But we find out that he himself is going through a lot of grief due to the death of, I think this was like Evelyn Seven. His beloved Evelyn. Everywhere. But something happened to where Charles's nose starts to bleed and old dude faints. And in efforts to help him, they go into the freezer and find his frozen cat. Ashley, what would you have done if you saw a frozen cat? in someone's personal freezer like no words i would have ran i would have ran out of that apartment and possibly reported him to somebody he needs help that man he fainted at the sight of blood but not out of that fucking cat hair that was all over his sweater like i just didn't understand the irony of the entire situation you have your whole cat dead touching the peas and the cucumbers and whatever else you got up there in the frozen food section of your freezer, but you pass out at the sight of a little blood. Like he was, he was a weird dude. Very weird. But they find out very quickly that he couldn't possibly be the murderer because he faints at the sight of blood. But one of the nuggets that was really great from this episode, actually, was that his, he was getting his cat tested um, because he believed that she was poisoned. So the reason why I brought up Oliver's money issues is because he had the audacity to ask the guy who produced his last musical for money for this podcast. Teddy. Teddy Demas. And he was able to convince him, even though this splat was the biggest flop ever on Broadway that resulted in three bankruptcies and two insurance investigations (laughs) and the loss of his son's college fund ashley what is the audacity like i could never i could never only the charisma of a white man i will say that for damn sure (laughs) like who else can get (laughs) who else can get money out of people like this i mean i've just never seen such but hey for any investors out there we're in the market hit us up okay let us know. We can use some sponsors. <laughs> Davis Chicken Rap presents only murders in the building. <laughs> oh, Ashley, one of my favorite quotes, though, um, happened in episode two when uh, we find out that Oliver doesn't lock his doors. And Selena was like, I guess white men only are scared of colon cancer and societal change. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. That was a great line. Two more important things happen at the end of episode three. Sting is a resident of their Upper West Side apartment building, and he doesn't like dogs. And somehow, Oliver's dog gets sick. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. He also had a death threat on his door, didn't he? He sure did. Yep, the door was open. He saw that note, and his poor dog was laying there sick. That was really sad. Not little Winnie. Little Winnie. 
episode four, The Sting. Believing the murderer might be a famous resident whom is difficult to access, the group seeks advice from a renowned podcasting host. So to your point, Ashley, Tina Fey enters the chat. Sydney Canning. And one of the things that I love about her humor is just so goofy, but I love it. Like when she was like, they were like, how were you able to get, you know, that special insight on one of her cases? She was like, I cooked a turkey. No one could deny cooked turkey. <laughs> could you, Ashley, if somebody showed up to your doorstep asking you for information, would you <laughs> to my door with a turkey i'm like is this poisoned who brings an entire turkey to somebody's house like it was that's a lot that's a lot but can i just be honest i didn't feel like they made the best use of their time with cinda i was like you have this woman who her podcast just got bought for 30 something million dollars and all y'all want to know was how to get next to sting like i would have spent as much time as i could have with this woman are y'all kidding me Exactly, exactly. So one of the things about uh, Tim Kono that we find out at this point is that he had recently lost his job. He's a lonely man. And he, the reason why he lost his job was because he lost a client. He lost millions of dollars of the client's money. And we find out that Sting recently lost millions of dollars in an investment. So that's where some of the, um, you know, evidence that the trio was looking into was, <laughs> I can't believe they actually told her that their main suspect was staying. Like, I mean, I guess no one, you know, leave no stone unturned, they say, right? But I, I thought that was silly and hilarious also, by the way. That was one of the ways they got their foot in the door because- if you tell somebody, oh, we're investigating a murder in a building and the prime suspect is staying, yeah, I'm assuming you're going to get um, possibly at least a phone call or an email back. That's intrigue right there. So, yeah. The other thing that I really did enjoy about this series was their use of celebrity cameos. Like, I, I enjoyed Sting. I enjoyed Tina. Um, but I did not enjoy Porky Pig and Bugs Bunny following Charles around. I thought, <laughs> I was like, what are we doing with this series? And mind you, this series came out one episode at a time, which, you know, obviously everything is out now, but I don't know. I watched it in real time. How did you feel about, you know, waiting each week for a new episode for this series? I started to get used to it with all of the shows that drop on everything outside really of like Netflix. A lot of the streaming uh, folks do this now. And um, I don't love it. I don't love it because I've gotten used to the binge watching world, but you know, some competitive landscape out here. So for business reasons, it makes sense to keep us hooked. Right. Well, for a lot of the other platforms, that's not Netflix. They probably don't have the money or, or the talent to drive brand new content and just dumping it. Yes. You know, all the levels that Netflix drops new content is, yeah, absurd compared to most other platforms. Exactly. With original content. Original yeah. content. Exactly. Exactly. 
So two more important things happen in this episode, Ashley. Charles starts flirting with the bassoon lady. That, that flirtation by musical instrument was refreshingly old school and lovely. I loved it. And I love it because, you know, Steve is an actual musician. And like, and the other thing is, he is the creator of the show. I didn't mention that. He's the, he's the creator and executive producer. Actually, all of the trio have levels of executive producing, but it was created by Steve. He has a love for true crime. <laughs> so in I real life. In real life. So I love that about this uh, show. Oliver's son revealed that Mabel knew Tim Kono. He knew about the Hardy Boys. So that was the big dun-dun-dun at the end of this particular episode. I appreciated that because Wheel would have been around that age. age group yep. to have been paying attention and to know the kids who lived in that building. So I loved that they, that, that made so much sense. Episode five, twist. A suspicious Charles and Oliver follow Mabel when she slips away on a solo mission to track the victim's final days. Ashley, 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 I'm going to come back to this episode uh, when we get towards the end because I have a lot to say about this episode. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, it it actually seems simple, but I, I have a connection there. One of the things that I loved about this episode was the introduction of Aphrodite, which is a car that Oliver had paid in the garage. (laughs) And he said he hadn't had his license in 25 years. The fact that he named his car Aphrodite was like beyond also. Like, I love Oliver so much. I love that car. I would totally drive that car. Would you? Oh, yeah. I love unique, eclectic cars. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that about you, Ashley. Absolutely. Mabel is walking. We have a new narrator. We find out quickly that it's Oscar, who is a.k.a. tie-dye guy. He just got out of prison for the death of his girlfriend. After 10 freaking years. That's a long time to know that you are innocent. Yep. Rough. Yep. Rough. But... She said something very interesting, Ashley. She said she she knew he was following her and she was able to pin him down and had her knitting needle and said she always wanted to kill someone with her knitting needle. I'm like, okay, sis, you okay? Jumped on his ass like a spider monkey. I was like, she's been waiting. <laughs> she's been waiting her whole life for this moment. Well, in the first episode, she's like, you know, when you're in New York City, you listen to true crime because you try not to get got, you know? (laughs) Sure. There you go. You got to be prepared. Stay ready. Sure. Um, We follow Mabel as she finds a clue. She found a solo clue. Again, uh, by herself, seeming very shady. (laughs) She's looking to see where all this jewelry is from. And Oscar helps her figure it out because, again, she says this in a previous episode also, she tends to ride in groups. Do you ride in groups, Ashley? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a loner because I definitely ha- make friends um, easily, but I don't feel like I'm clicky. 
I don't know. Some people have like clicks. I can't say mm-hmm. that I've ever been a clicky person. Like I prefer to kind of bounce around and kind of get to know a wide variety of types of people versus sticking mm-hmm. with like this core group that those only people you really hang out with much. Yeah. I can't say I'm that person. What about you? Uh, I, <laughs> I've always had uh, friendships with guys like my whole life. I actually have more guy friends through the years than girlfriends. I, I actually make really good girlfriends until like college really like oh because it's funny because when it comes to high school friends it's more of proximity but like college I think your friendships are you're able to you know dig a little deeper if that makes any sense I agree uh but any case when it comes to guy friends I tend to make them two at a time like I'm always talking to two guy friends <laughs> at a time and interesting. that it has been that way since first grade. My first two dudes were Al, no, Roy and Matthew. <laughs> and then it's gone through the years. My best guy friends are Ahmad and Demetrius. They're my best friends from high school or from college. Um, but yeah, and then I have, I even made some here in, in Cincinnati. So it's just really funny. I, I don't know. I just thought that was worth mentioning because they had some, some cool snippets here and there with the series. But I bring up her friendship because Oscar was very much into solving uh, clues as well. And he reminded her that Tim Kono had an appointment to see her cousin who gave them their will tattoos. So that they're headed there in Jersey. So Aphrodite couldn't make the journey without making a pit stop. And there, this is actually one of my favorite scenes. Uh, Oliver and Charles meet up with the yard dogs. And the thing that cracked me up is they are a, what, the horticultural podcast. And I'm like, everyone has a podcast. But then what I love the most is when they were trying to belittle um, when Martin Short was yes, trying to belittle their podcast, they're like, "Oh, how many people do you have?" And they're like, "Oh, well, you know, we got <laughs> they doing the damn thing. They cool with Cinda Canning too. Cinda's our girl. Yes. Like they they were on a different level. I loved it because Martin Short really thought he was you know talking trash. He just talking didn't know who he was talking to. Big trash. And I also it, appreciate the whole gem of mistletoe being a toxic parasite in a tree assassin. I was like, now that's a gem right there for the holiday was, season. Gem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so Oscar makes it uh, to their uh, location with Mabel. And he's pretty much trying to tell her like, yo, can we just chill? <laughs> He's like, I just got out. I'm not about to try to find a figure out another mystery. Um, again, another funny moment for me. He was like, I got certified in trap yoga in prison. I'm thinking about opening up a shop. I'm like, that tickled me so much. Uh, but do your thing, follow- Oscar. He's trying to move forward in his life. Exactly. But basically he caves in because he has a thing with, he has a thing for Mabel. Like their chemistry was pretty intense for them to not have been together. I felt some type of way about it. I'm gonna be honest. Did um, you? Yes, it was awkward to me that this this guy, Oscar, went to prison for 
possibly everybody thinking that he had murdered his girlfriend who was part of this crew that y'all were all friends with but somehow y'all immediately seemed like y'all have some type of love connection was this going on when he was still with zoe like we saw a little flash of new year's where he complimented how mabel. you know mabel looked yeah. Yeah. you know and zoe obviously went on up and up and then those flashbacks she was doing her thing as well but i'm just saying like to me it was a little awkward it was like how good of friends were we really with zoe you know what i mean mm. oh no Zoe was a bitch, but we learned that a little bit later. That's still your girl. Just a bitch you choosing to be friends with. Okay. Very true. Very true. That was still your girl. Mabel makes it to her cousin's shop. And guess what? Oliver and Charles are there too. And they kind of bust her in their tracks saying, hey, you knew Tim Kono this whole freaking time. If you were them, would you feel betrayed? I know this is a simple answer, but... Well, it's funny because I liked that Martin Short was more gung-ho about thinking she was a liar than C. Martin did. C. Martin was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt for a yeah. while. I'm definitely Martin Short. I'm like, oh, <laughs> she's been lying yes, way too yes. long for my comfort. I don't trust she this chick. a possible suspect. Yeah, I don't trust this chick. You know, I am not, I'm not team, oh, let's hear the details here. No, nah. you've been lying. What's really good <laughs> and I'm gonna need some answers from you, sis. Yeah, because at this point she was sneaking around too long. And she was know? with tie-dye guy, right? We yes. think tie-dye guy might have been a suspect. And you weren't Very around with tie-dye guy. Very true. Uh so she gives them an explanation that apparently was good enough. And at the end of this episode, there was a lot of jewelry on that pool table, Ashley. It's only because she's cute. I swear to you, it's only because that was part of the reason why they let it go so quickly, in my opinion. It's because she cute. Interesting. <laughs> there was one gym, ha ha ha, wink, wink, um, that was also um, worth noting. Tim Kona was trying to take down a black market jewelry dealer named At Angel. <laughs> Sorry, I was about to say Ashley. <laughs> Ashley's a thug um, name too. Ashley's a thug name too. There's a thug named Ashley out there in these streets. <laughs> bad boy for life. Okay. <laughs> Episode six to protect and serve. Mabel brings her friends to her childhood home to meet her mother. Detective Williams starts to have her own doubts about the case as she prepares for motherhood. I really did enjoy Detective Williams. Um, Besides her hairstyle. Yeah, that wig was awful. Awful. But basically, she was convinced that this Tim Kono case was open and shut. It was ruled a suicide. Her wife, however, is a fan of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Only murders in the and she tells her like hey honey you might want to look at this detective williams is like uh what do i look like going to my my chief saying hey let me reopen this closed case that's a no for me well it's kind of messed up because toxicology report was not submitted (laughs) the phone didn't enter evidence like it had me really concerned, Ashley. Did you feel like this murder was like from someone high up? What, what did you think at this point? 
Or did you think this was just a failed, <laughs> a failed precinct, you know, unable to follow through on procedure? I think I thought the latter, but it's interesting you say that because now that I think about it, they never, to me, illuminated on why things were not submitted as they should have been with the case. So that's actually, to me, a unresolved situation now that we've watched the entire series, because I was thinking the latter, but now that you bring that up, what, what was really going on? I guess it was just mm-hmm. negligence, but that's a little scary. That's very scary. Very, very scary. So again, like the summary of this episode says, Detective Williams had her doubts. Uh, Back to our trio, (laughs) Oliver and Charles meets Mabel's mom. Mabel's mom, you can tell she's hardworking, loves her daughter a lot, but just is truly disappointed with all the grief that her daughter had gone through all these years. She convinced the guys to let her drop out of this investigation. Were you surprised that Mabel didn't fight to stay with, you know, the investigation even after meeting with her mom? No, I wasn't surprised. I think it was more so that 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 was a good opportunity for us as an audience to get a better glimpse at what was really going on with Mabel. Because again, to this point, everything that was going on with her seemed a bit shady, like she was lying about things. So to get the background of the trauma behind her losing her friend and what happened with her friend group at such a young age. And anytime a mom enters into the equation, you see that protectiveness, me as the audience, I'm like, okay, now I feel a bit protective too, because this was your child. And she did go through something very traumatic. So I wasn't surprised that Mabel didn't put up too much of a fight because just like us, it was probably like, well, her mom didn't make sense, right? Like her mother just wanted what was best for her and Oscar's back. So you have a lot to unpack with his return. You know what I mean? And I don't think since Tim had died, Mabel had really stepped back to consider how she felt about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they hadn't talked. They hadn't spoken, but that was still another one of your friends who's gone. That's an excellent point, Ashley. Well, the group finds out that Tim was investigating this, you know, black market jewelry dealer because he was convinced that they had the ring that Zoe had on when she died on that New Year's Day. The guys came back to their apartment. Mabel stayed back with her mom and Oscar. And Oliver gets a call from Teddy about the podcast our girl Cinda made it to Fallon and she was joking about their podcast only murders in the building and Teddy was beside himself and he wanted to give more money to the podcast and you know Oliver is like show me the money okay (laughs) show me the money whereas Charles is like hey we don't have Mabel anymore should we stop the podcast do you think they should have taken that money and continued on even if she didn't return because spoiler alert she came back yes yeah absolutely i think they should have taken the money and kept on um charles was the host uh oliver was the producer mabel wasn't even i don't think actually a main part of the production of the podcast besides probably being a part of some of the audio recordings. So sure. Mm -hmm. Why not? Let's go. Yeah. 
I, I would never no offense Mabel thousand dollars for what right for he was what? about to rip up that check I was like can y'all go ahead and pass that over to recapping with Laura and Ashley <laughs> we'll take home. it we'll take Here it again any sponsors listening we're open we're available let's meet let's have a conversation as I mentioned Mabel came back with Tim Kono's phone dropped by anonymously <laughs> but we all know that it was from Detective Williams. Was that unethical? Girl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But shouldn't they have done the toxicology report? Shouldn't they have put his phone into evidence? What the hell? It's just kind of messed up because it's like, are fans figuring out these cases? Possibly. I mean, I, I, I hate to bring up some of the recent um, missing people, but social media played a major role in finding out what happened to these people. Unfortunately, like Gabby Petito and Brian and, and, yeah. and, and Julius. So, yeah, girl, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not trying to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I asked, was it unethical? But I guess it's one of those things to me where does it matter if the case actually is resolved? Because sometimes I feel like you have to circumvent the system or you have to circumvent rules. If it's in the greater good of whatever it is, your mission is. I'm not, I'm not saying that to say people should do a bunch of dirty stuff. I'm saying in this case, if person in the cell phone helped to crack this case and to find out who really killed him is, was that a bad thing? I don't think so. Yeah, I guess that conversation of like the greater good over procedural, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Great point. Episode seven, Ashley, the boy from 6B. As the investigation scratches at a web of old crimes that originated inside the building, a mysterious young man turns the tables and spies on Charles, Oliver, and Mabel. This has to be like my favorite episode of the series this entire episode was completely silent we get the perspective of theo the son of teddy and uh i saw someone say this online and i agree they're like this is emmy material and i'm like they're absolutely going to be winning awards for this series i i have a fe- i have a feeling about it because hollywood loves a revival and we haven't seen steve martin martin short in like a, a minute you know what i mean yeah they're going to be they're going to be nominated for sure um, let me just say going back to insecure from last week if insecure does not win an emmy i'm going to stop watching the emmys <sighs> You, know, you hear that, Academy? I'm going to stop watching. You know, Emmys are like Oscars. Sometimes you don't get it when you're supposed to get them. Yeah, but this is the final season. If yeah. they do not get an Emmy, I'm going to stop watching. All right, going down a, a quick rabbit hole. Is Anthony Anderson going to finally get his Emmy? Nominated, I think, every year that Blackish is. Is Tracy? Is Tracy? I don't know. It's not. I'm going to take that away from them again. Better not. The season two is not worthy. Season two is not worthy. I said it. I said it. Okay. Okay. Uh, 
kind of like Oliver's son, there are more kids in this building and around the same age as the Hardy Boys. And it's, it's Theo. And I say his name like that because um, he out here riding real dirty. <laughs> Who came up with all these names in this series? Now that you point out Mabel, I'm listening to everybody's names. All these names are old. Like nobody's name is like Ashley Young, <laughs> Brandon, like Oscar. I don't know any young Oscars. No, no. <laughs> Everybody's name is kind of older. Oh my gosh! That's, yeah, Jan. We'll we'll get to her. Goodness gracious, I love it. I I always use your name Ashley, but we could also say Jessica. Or, you know, like... Yeah, these generic, Emma. everyday names. Even Michael. I mean, you could have had Michael. a Michael. You could yeah. have had... There's all yeah. sorts of names that are, that are still yeah. prevalent today. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, all of these are like, who's grandma? You know, <laughs> <laughs> who's grandpa? Y'all talking about Theo. I ain't heard that name since the Huxtables on television. Where's Ethel while we're at it? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Even Evelyn, the cat. The cat's got an old name. Cat's Evelyn. Yes. You got Winnie as the dog. Like, what? Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this entire episode is from Theo's perspective. We get a wonderful, we get a present view of what he's doing, and he's out here spying on the trio. He is losing his nerve because something is up. I, I forgot to mention at the, at the end of episode six, their very own sponsor becomes a suspect because of his angel check. This episode makes it very clear for the audience that, yeah, something's very dicey going on over there at the... Dip King's house. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> because Theo is looking very suspect. And again, he's following them. The trio decides to sneak into Teddy's apartment because again, he's now suspect number one. Oliver goes out to a quick lunch with Teddy and Mabel and Charles go into the apartment. And they find row, a secret room full of urns. That was creepy. That was very creepy because at first you didn't know why there were so many urns. But you learned very quickly that they're freaking grave robbers. That is a new one for me. I was like, of all the shows that we watch and consume, yes. this was a first that the shadiness was because y'all still in jewelry and valuables from dead people. Who knew? That's very low. That's so low, Ashley. Like, But you know what I also love? And I don't know if the community of people with disabilities would agree with this whatsoever. But I actually thought that it was dope that they had a person with disabilities as a, as a villain. I was like, yeah. I don't feel like it's a step forward because it's more diversity on screen to show yeah. his disabilities didn't limit him from the shenanigans you know what i mean from being yeah. a central part of this story a criminal reign <laughs> exactly like, they may be like nah we don't want to do with that but i'm just saying to me it was like oh that's actually pretty dope yeah 
great, great point there. We get some flashbacks. And we realized that Zoe was doing some heavy flirting with Theo. She was very versed in ASL. And she had this connection with this young man in her building. But their connection got in the way because that emerald ring, Ashley, Teddy noticed it was missing. And he told Theo to get it back. Enter what is that, 2010 New Year's? Theo was trying to get the ring back. The flirting, I guess, got to him so much so that he thought he had a shot. And she laughed in his face, Ashley. Oh. Oof. Cringy. That was that was rough. Why'd she do that? She did call herself a bitch, but still. And she also has said that it was a bad time. Like, I'm not going to be good company right now. So she was yeah. in an ugly mood, but that still doesn't excuse it, obviously. I mean, I don't think that Teddy probably, not Teddy, that Theo probably had a chance with her. But, um, you know, he was a sweet dude. And he yeah. was approaching her in a caring, kind way. So it was he unfortunate. aggressive, right? Yeah. Well, actually, and she was flirting with him. Like he was minding his own was. business. She up here running her hands up his back and stuff. I said, girl. Yeah. Well, she seems like the type of person that manipulates people. You know she what I mean? She just seemed like, like she liked to play games. I mean, yep. she just, she played with people. Yeah. But she was rich. Her family owned a floor at the entire floor. Yeah. But we find out very quickly that her death was indeed an accident and yeah. not necessarily a murder. That was very sad. Very sad. But this is where the criminal activity comes into play, Ashley. Tim Kono saw what happened. And Teddy strong-armed Tim not to say a word. And because of that, we know what happened. Oscar went to jail for 10 years for no reason. You know, Mabel lost all of her friends, all of them, whether in death, prison, or just separation. And yeah that was rough i could not take nathan lane seriously as a thug i think i texted you this before like to me it was utterly ridiculous that we're taking these man's threats this seriously that we're gonna remain silent like what he he tried ashley come on girl i'm like nathan lane from broadway musicals nathan lane from mouse hunt nathan lane it's from Tom and Pumbaa, Nathan from Lane. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes. come on, Nathan Lane is thugging out here and threatening people. And with what? With what? I ain't seen you kill nobody. I don't trust that you're gonna kill me. So why would I keep my mouth shut? If I tell on your son, there will be consequences and ramifications. So I'm not, I wouldn't be scared. He's a powerful man, Ashley. I don't know. I don't know. uh, To me, I didn't get it. Like, I feel like they needed someone who was way more intimidating for me to fully invest in the me being that scared, right? Somebody being that scared. And I just didn't feel that with Nathan Lane. Sorry, Nathan. I know you did your thing. but (laughs) No, (laughs) you a baby. You're not even a baby thug. You you soft like that's it. Oh, my gosh. You soft and fluffy. You a teddy bear. All right. Episode eight. Fan fiction. Hitting a dead end, the group calls for reinforcements in the form of their podcast superfans. So I love the superfans. <laughs> me too. Me too. So at the end of episode seven, Mabel and Oliver got caught 
they caught Theo red-handed. How was one man able to wrap two people up, though, and throw them in the back of a truck? I'm like, y'all were thinking fast enough on your feet because it was two against one. He ain't that strong. Especially with Mabel with this uh, knitting needle that she'd been so quick to use. Like, suddenly she was a damsel in distress. Exactly. I could see Martin Short. He's a little older. You may get to catch up with him. Yep. That's what I'm saying. The whole angle of them being, like, scary, it never clicked for me. That's funny. That's funny. I mean, I wasn't scared, but I was very concerned. I was like, oh my goodness, they are now in danger. This quick, you know, side project has turned into something very, very real. So one of the things that also happened in episode seven that I didn't mention was Charles had his first date with Jan and they connected in a very, very intimate way. So much so that he didn't check his phone like he probably would have done if he wasn't by himself. You know what I mean? It's, to your point, Nathan Lane, the the kingpin, <laughs> pretty much told Oliver and Mabel that they had to end their podcast. Like, this is your last day. I need for you to end it and say that Tim Kono died from loneliness. Um, or what, Nathan? Or what? Let me say back to your to your Jan and and Charles though, erotic scrabble. I didn't know I needed that in my life. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. They sold that. They sold. I said, okay, they sold that. I'm about to give me a scrabble board, y'all. They sold that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Mabel and Oliver catches up with Charles and they find out that Jan apparently is in this investigation now sorting through the clues of the phone and they found out that in fact, Tim Conan was trying to take down demons um, with the grave robbing situation. But Mabel and Oliver were not here for Dan. Do you think their intuition was correct, Ashley, at this point? I think they were more so just annoyed versus intuition. I think it was just like, who is this woman all of a sudden trying to come in in the midst of our investigation? It's been the three of us. We didn't ask for your opinion because she was just coming on a little strong. You know, she came on extremely strong. It's like, do you realize this is three of us? Like, this is an A and B conversation. It so takes me back to like out. when you in school and you've been working on a group project, and then all of a sudden somebody else want to come in and get a two cents. Nobody asked you, so I'm gonna need you to uh, step back, have a seat, please, because this we're we're this is done. This yeah. this click has been formed. We're gonna resolve this. You know what I'm saying? So I got it. I understood it. So Mabel was so shook that she was like, we need real reinforcements. So they called up Detective uh, Williams. And this is where I, I kind of was annoyed when she was like, well, make the case. Have your who, why, how, and why now. And I'm like, you really are signing these people this case? Like, you're the <laughs> one that gets paid to do this. Yeah, I literally said, would a cop really take them seriously? In this day and age, I think that was actually realistic because to your point, the power of social media, um, the fact that people have a lot of information, I think a cop may have just let them run with it for real. Ooh. I'm not saying that's a great thing. I'm just saying I think it's real. <laughs> so they realized that they need help with this case because, again, they are on a time crunch and outside of their apartments are super fans. Super fans that helped them come up with how to close this case. And ultimately, in a very bold move, they decided to pin Tim Kono's death 
all the demons makes sense i was surprised by that though because i'm like this man threatened real death to you but you're gonna close out your podcast on penny and on him who's also the sponsor i just thought that was the sponsor thing is the part that made it not make a whole lot of sense to me because I agree with well why would they spot why would Teddy sponsor a podcast that could implicate him you know what I'm saying it could be oh that whole keep your friends close keep your enemies closer but if anything you try to squash the pod you know what I mean so um, that didn't make sense but again the whole Teddy threatened my life thing I'm gonna go ahead and expose you because then the cops are gonna come pick you up and your death threats mean nothing like we act well, like teddy's a is, member of a gang out here yeah that's true and that and even if they didn't kill tim Cobham, they have the grave robbing thing for sure there's still online. illegal activities and the cover-up of zoe's murder exactly so, absolutely yeah. they're still got they got blood on their hands they sure do well they pin it on the Demises and find out very quickly that Tim Kono was poisoned and the Demises were outside during the time of murder. And the episode ends with Jan being stabbed in the back. Dun, dun, dun. Episode nine, double time. As the residents grow upset at the building's negative publicity, the trio faces a revolt. Charles' old colleague visits and sheds light on their past. So apparently Jane didn't see who stabbed her in the back. Were you suspicious of this, Ashley? I was at the time. Um, you I you were? Suspicious about her or suspicious about what happened to her? What happened to her? Yeah, I was suspicious of what happened to her at this point yeah. because I just wasn't sure, you know, given everything that was happening, it seems like, you know, anybody could get got at any time. So, yeah, I was curious as to who it was or what it was that was causing her to be attacked. Obviously, she's close with and dating Charles. Obviously, she's now a part of this investigation. Um, I, I wasn't sure what was going on with Jan. But I definitely thought it was funny that she was passed out after a little stab in the side, I was like, she really lose that much blood? <laughs> I was concerned because I thought she could have been dead. So I was relieved to see that she was only stabbed. I, you know, I was concerned for her because of, you know, me caring for Charles, frankly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I want to see not... Charles happy. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Not that we don't care about a person's life, but yes. No, no, no. <laughs> but in relation to the show, we have Saz. This is one of my favorite parts of the entire series. The entire series. Okay. Um, Jane Lynch is everything. I promise you she's going to get nominated for an Emmy for guest, <laughs> guest starring for this. She was Brazo's stunt devil, right? And the thing that cracked me up was like everyone loved her over him. Yeah. Everyone's stunt double outshines them. Like exactly. Who's? Which is part of the humor that I loved about this show. Like that in itself is hilarious. And she was so charismatic and that the audience, I loved her. I yeah. loved her. Everybody and- did. And the fact that one of his own girlfriends left him for her, peak. Amazing. That Love. cookie. Fuck you, cookie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was one of my favorites, uh, Martin Short moments too, because he came and was like, ah! whatever you've done, 
you've done too much. Like, it was just, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Yes. <laughs> and of course, with Saz being so amazing, she pointed out one of the most important things when it comes to solving a mystery. The motel. Exactly. Yeah. Quickly. Literally, she wasn't even around there for long and she had the evidence of the cocktail drinks and the trash. And she was like, this crime of passion. These are cocktail drinks. And this person could have very well been poisoned. And I was like, brilliant. This is why she's sad. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I was thinking is, are you selling yourself short by just being a stunt double? She was about to go stunt for Tilda Swinton. It's like, you are a star. Like, you should be a star. star. Yeah. Yeah. Again, her her marrying him the whole time while they sit on at the table and oh so funny so steve martin also they allow him he allows himself to have such a quiet humor in this you know he's very slap slap sticky humor in a lot of his stuff when he was younger so he's just he's like almost the straight person to everybody else's over the top and i appreciate that he could he can do both yeah that's a good point really good point well, apparently Jan is good enough to perform at the orchestra like she does. She tells him that she's first chair, which if you're in symphonic or orchestra, kind of a big deal. She doesn't want him to go, though, because she's upset that he was accusing Saz of making a move on her and her falling for it. And that was not the case. But he goes anyway and finds very quickly that Jamie lying, Ashley. Did you have any doubts about her up until this point? I didn't, but I blame who they cast as the actress because I had just seen her in my one therapy show that I've told you guys about too many times on HBO Max. And she played the therapist on Gabriel Burns' final season. She was his therapist in treatment. So Um, that was the last role I just saw her in. And so seeing her now in this, it was like, oh, but I trust you. Like I already have like a rapport with you. So I just didn't have any inkling that I should be suspicious of this woman. And then how rare is it for a woman to be a murderer? In but a if series you think like about this. it, ooh, let's go back to even our GOT days. They always say that women like to kill poison. That's the that's the weapon of choice, and it makes sense because we don't have the strength. Yeah, over For men force. Yeah, yes, to kill in that sort of way, and it's all. It's she's. I mean, we'll get to this. But she's a black widow at the end of the day, and at that's the, the black day. widows one of the black widow's keys is calling call call, calling call yeah because the sex toy that they had from episode one was was actually a bassoon cleaner i i'm not gonna lie it was so funny in episode one with uh oliver waving it around like oh tim kono i see what you're touching on other people's (laughs) sex toys i was like ew where's that been what are we doing i'm slapping that around and that was the revelation that Oliver and Mabel found. And so. But Tim Kono was supposed to be a hell of a lover. Give him that credit. Have oh, her that's, screaming. 
so true. But the neighbor, she was like, he apparently knew what he was doing. Put some respect on Tim Kono's name, okay? Episode 10, Ashley. Open and shut. The trio races towards a resolution while their own lives are put in danger. I did like how this episode opened. We finally get to hear from Tim Kono. We find out that he had to come to loneliness after the events of that awful New Year's Day in 2010. He was took him a while. Himself. Took him it a took, while. It had been 10 yeah, years. 10 years. And you were talking about Issa after one year. Look at Tim. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's been 10. That's true. And he's like, when you're lonely and someone shows you some attention, you, you kind of go for it. And he apparently went for it a lot. And um, in the elevator, in the elevator and apparently in the apartment. And we find out that it was indeed Jan who killed them. She poisoned him and then set up the suicide note. And shot him in the head. Now, I did enjoy how this episode unraveled with Charles telling her that he loved her. And he was like, even if you did do it, I think I would still love you. And she was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't expect her to really love him. But the fact that she preys on lonely men, I was like, Chick is a predator, Ashley. Yeah, it reminded me of Uncle Fester on Adam's family values. <gasps> yeah. Uh great great association i forgot about that yeah that's what it reminded me of but can we also say that out of it though she's mentally disturbed she's mentally ill i mean that was her that's her whole origin to me that they didn't really say but that we're assuming is that she is mentally ill because this is not the first person she during her whole villainous monologue that she gives to Charles as he's succumbing to the poison. Every villain gets <laughs> one. That yeah. is very true. She's basically just telling the tale of, oh, you know, I hate being cho- chosen second. And this is one of my tougher breakups, Charles. I really did fall for you. Ma- ma'am, how many men have you done this to? And she apparently got away with it often. Yes. It was about to kill everybody in the building. Okay. <sighs> I just... It was frightening, actually. It was pretty it was terrifying. And I was so concerned because, to your point, Ashley, uh, he thought he outsmarted her, so he didn't take the drink that she made for him. I knew it was the ice, though. I knew it. Did you? I did, did immediately. You? I said, Charles, don't take that from her. Because you but think how about did how. You know his nose was going to bleed. No, she, she had seen his nose bleed. Remember when yes. she was looking at him from the audience? Yeah. yeah. So she already knew that. But then my thing was first of all, who puts ice on a nosebleed? Is that a thing? I thought you just pinched your nose and put your head up. <laughs> yeah. So that I was really confused by. But you know what my biggest confusion during this whole thing was? Hmm. The timing. Why did Jan decide to poison Charles before she even knew he knew anything? Hmm. Well, I think she, the timing was, he probably was starting to put some things together with her lying. So she probably was like, let me just get rid of him. Like before he figures this out. Like, so she had- if you think about it, she was in the know and she was, we all knew that she was awful with um, her clues and things like that. Everybody wanted her to go <laughs> because of how bad it was. 
but it was but like, Charles had just left the case. Remember, under the threat of them all getting evicted, he he was yeah, like, "I'm done." That's true too. I don't know. I don't know. That's the that was the one thing about at the end. I was like, "Why now?" I guess maybe it was she was always feeling like she was going to have to wrap this up. Like, oh, I can't leave any loose ends, type of thing. Yeah, and you know she might do it for a time, right? But my deal is a lot of those people were li- have lived in that building for many years. And again, watching it the second time, I actually heard the bassoon playing when they got off the elevator and they were in their homes by themselves. Mm. I heard the bassoon the playing. recorded bassoon yep. thing yep. she did. So my deal is like, well, was she somewhere else killing these guys? Like, or did she just come home? <laughs> Like after each one that it was just insane, insane. The other thing I wanted to mention was I was so concerned with Charles because obviously the joke was he was poisoned, but had enough strength to get Mabel and Oliver who knew what was up. Uh, They were able to catch her in the basement where to your point also, she was going to kill everybody because the fireplaces were now open again. Luckily, she's a bad shot. (laughs) The cops came. They solved the mystery. But one of the things that I wanted to tie back to episode five in particular, Ashley, was their conversation of them feeling betrayed by Mabel and Charles, again, giving her the benefit of the doubt, whereas Oliver did not. There was a lot of foreshadowing going on in that episode. Just like, you know, give her a chance. You know, she's this or that or the other. And I was like, watching it the second time, I'm like, they are giving so many clues in this episode about their conversation towards Mabel. Obviously, it wasn't Mabel. It was Jan, eventually. Mm-hmm. But there, you know, I just wanted to highlight that. And then let's talk about the big, cliffhanger at the end of the series here season one I should say they celebrate their win they toast Mabel leaves all of a sudden the dreaded fire alarm goes off again and they get a text message from an unknown number that says get out of the building now they immediately thought of Mabel because she had left them at least Charles did Steve Oliver won the dip (laughs) Always, always. They make it to her apartment. She looks at them and says, this is not what you think it is. There's a person on her floor with a tie-dye sweatshirt and blood all over the place. She stabbed somebody with her knitting needle. Like, supposedly. Supposedly. That's an excellent point. I forgot to even start with this because that's, that's how the series, the season opened. Mm-hmm. this scene and then we get a flashback of two months prior this is what i didn't like about the series because i'm like now they're calling it only murderers in the building like i don't want them to be guilty of anything but obviously there will be a whole you know mystery yeah and everything but i i didn't like that that well, you, just, what about you you talk about foreshadowing she Mabel had just told Bunny, congratulations, you're just the most hated bitch. And now you're the most hated bitch in the building. And then Bunny's the one who is killed supposedly by Mabel. So you talk about foreshadowing. Um, You know, obviously Bunny had made a lot of enemies 
in season one because she was so gung-ho about everything in terms of her power to evict and to not care about anybody else and all this and that so I have no guesses as to who really killed Bunny I don't think it was Mabel obviously I don't think so either um but I I liked it because I was curious as to like where are we about to go now and how many murderers live in the Arconia you know what I mean (laughs) like how many are there I personally would not be able to live in a place that had that many deaths like yeah but how do you get at like that's lucrative real estate you know back to back to Martin or not Martin back to Charles or Oliver's point earlier the last thing I want to say about the murdering is that I think Jan's really going to enjoy prison for some reason I just have this feeling (laughs) she's going to live her best life in prison uh she seems like she's that type of psycho oh Um, that's right And then let me give you and our listeners just my final thoughts overall in this series, Delora. So again, gets a B for me because I wasn't super invested in the Tim Kono angle again, because I just don't think I got enough backstory or, you know, reflection on Tim. But I will say that the thing for me that also bothered me was Oscar, because besides Mabel, uh, his father's reaction to Mabel when she originally was coming around trying to ask about it when he was about to get released. I feel like they really sugarcoated Oscar's character and what happened to him. Like this man was imprisoned for 10 years for a crime that he did not commit. And I feel like the ramifications of that on him and his life. Like this just, was on spring break. <laughs> yeah. He just, oh, he's out and he's still, you know, himself, you know, seemingly. And oh, we're just immediately going to put him into a love connection with Mabel. Like I get it as probably a product of the tone of the show, but I just feel like that was so palpable. And he's a man of color. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, there yeah. was so much to be said to me for what happened to him. And I just don't feel like we got enough of the realness of that situation. And that's, that's really my final thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, my final thoughts. I didn't know when I first started this season, I didn't know if I could handle Selena Gomez talking the whole time just because <laughs> I feel like she talks to her teeth just like this and it's always sarcasm. <laughs> like, I just, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it. I did. Um, but my question to you is Did you have a favorite out of the trio? Oliver. Of course. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, he, it's Martin Short, obviously, that gave him life because otherwise (laughs) Oliver is very self-centered. And, um, and he made him lovable because honestly, if played by anyone else, I would have hated Oliver. Probably, probably, probably. But yeah, it's Martin Short. So Martin Short's Oliver is my favorite (laughs) character. Oh my goodness. I just loved him also. And I just want to close with like the running joke about him and Dips. He <laughs> just had me rolling. The Demises take a dip. <laughs> I'm like, I, it just was so funny to me. Uh, well, the last thing that he said that had me rolling was like, I've only had dips for dinner for years and it's fine. I lost 14 pounds and a little bit of hair. (laughs) (laughs) He has some great lines in the show. I'm telling you, Martin Short, you are still one of my favorites. I love you so much. Yes. I'm so happy that he and Steve are working and I look forward to season two. So if there's nothing else, time for our hidden gems.
Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I only have one this week. And I know it's the thing we talk about that I don't like horror. But you know what I've realized is I like slasher, though. So I watched I Know What You Did last summer series on Amazon. At least the first six episodes that are currently available to watch. Delora, we're 90s kids. Had to see how it stacked up to the films. Which, by the way, I didn't realize it was based off of a book. Uh, that's new to me. Had no idea. This story is so thin. How is yeah. it? <laughs> I don't know because I haven't read the book. But hey, it's a book. Um, the show though takes a very different turn than the film does. It reminds me more of like a Pretty Little Liars with more gruesome deaths. Uh, beautiful young cast set in Hawaii. The Ooh. showrunner, yeah, the showrunner Sarah Goodman loves a good teen drama thriller, as she's also about to do the Cruel Intention series, which I'm also super excited for and will definitely be checking out. Now, I cannot say the series is, you know, epic and, oh, you know, it's the best thing since sliced bread, but I think it's worth a watch again, especially if you want to see how it stacks up in comparison to the 90s films that we loved um, starring Jennifer Love Hewitt and, you know, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Brandy. Ryan Philippi <laughs> and all those. Well, that's, that was yeah. a sequel. What I still know what you did yeah. last summer for yeah. the original, because this is based off the original, um, Freddie Prince Jr. So, you know, I, I think it's worth a watch. Um, it's really getting good. And see, after season six, we live, leave on a cliffhanger. Um, so I'm definitely going to stick with it. And the main character, the main actress is phenomenal like she's doing some great Ooh, acting so really I, it's for me it, it guys check it out i know what you did last summer on amazon what about you delora all right ashley i have one hidden gem as well it is a movie it came out 2020 i'm sure it expected to do a lot more than what it did but pandemic <laughs> But I found this on Stars, but it's now on Hulu, and it's called The Broken Hearts Gallery. It is rated PG-13. It's a romance. It's an hour and 50 minutes. To give you some insight on ratings, 79% critics, 88% audience scores. So it's a pretty solid film. It's a rom-com, one of my favorite genres. If you don't know already, courtesy <laughs> of to all the boys I love, <laughs> like in all the other rom-coms. Which I still covered. watch on repeat. Yes, yes, yes. It stars a South Asian lead and the guy who's usually in a butthole uh, from, I think he's, yeah, the butthole from Stranger Things. Uh, anyway. Oh, with the hair? With the hair, yeah. yeah. He became more lovable in Stranger Things. He was a dick at first, but yeah. Yeah, He yeah. grows on you. But he grew on me as a leading man. It's also about, like, self-love and growth within the young woman. Life, Lucy, that's her name. So if you want to see a good rom-com that's recent, up-to-date, utilizing today's technology and whatnot, check it out. And of course... She has the cool job. She's a, a, a gallerist, you know what I mean, for art. You know. So, you know. If I lived in New York, that would be one of my jobs. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, Charlotte. <laughs> and then I'd have to retire to my Manhattan penthouse that Trey left me, you know, all those of things. Of course. course. That sounds weird, though. My brother's name is Trey. Anyway. That's all we got for today, guys. I hope you enjoyed. If you did not get a chance, definitely check out Only Murders in the Building. It is worth a watch. So you guys can stay tuned and join us for season two. 
Delora, we'll be back next time for what? Hot Topics! And quick headlines and anything else shenanigans-wise is going on in the world of pop culture. We'll see you then. Be blessed. Bye!